Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC Podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. In this episode... Mikey ate too much chocolate whilst watching Chelsea secure their place in a third successive FA Cup final. And we're going to review it. The game. That is, not, not the chocolate. Or maybe both. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. And we hope you enjoyed your Easter weekend, if you, of course, celebrate the wonderful time of Easter. I know I certainly ate far too much chocolate yesterday where I felt sick. Um, perfect remedy, though, was an FA Cup semi-final. Guys, how was your chocolate-filled weekend's? Uh, yeah, it was good, actually. Really good. Um, I didn't have much chocolate. I don't really ever have much chocolate. I'm not a big chocolate fan, um, if I'm honest. I know that's controversial, but uh, yeah, I could give or take it, to be fair. But Chelsea won, and that's oh. the main thing. How were your boys' weekends? That's shocking. That's a shocking revelation. Chris, surely you like chocolate? Yes, I love it, mate. Um, I had too I'm much good ice cream as way. well. I'm not saying I hate <laughs> it, but I, I just think it's a bit overrated. Oof. Sorry. Wow. So sorry. I mean, I had really a white Oreo um, Easter egg, and honestly, you get no bars with the the Cadbury egg. No, no, no. You just get the egg with the crumbled Oreo biscuits mixed in. Honestly, that sounds so, quite nice. So good. Nice. Yeah. So that's that's what made me sick. <laughs> so much of that. It's like you have to. It's so Moorish. You have to keep having more. Oh, look, look. But before I kick this off, bit of news from Simon Johnson today regarding our new owners, that they, they might be reluctant to offer Jorginho and N'Golo Kante the terms that they want to extend their contracts. And I thought, bring this up, because by Friday, they've been forgotten about and will have moved on. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, quite an interesting one, really. Um, both are coming towards the back end of the careers, I suppose. I mean, they, they've still got a lot of years left, but they're both the other side of 30. Um, I still think they're valuable members of the team. Um, mm. Kante, I mean, what an incredible player he is. He, he could tell his legs are going though, and, and he isn't. I would say he's slightly declining. He's still an unbelievable player, don't get me wrong, but I don't mm. think he'll be able to perform like he has done. Um, so it, it's an interesting one. Could you cash in on them? Maybe. Jorginho, again, I mean, he's never really had legs, but important to how we play, can dictate the midfield. It depends. If we go out and get Declan Rice or whoever like that, get two new midfielders, kind of Gallagher obviously might be coming back. So, interesting one. I don't know if I agree with it or not. I'm a bit on the fence, really. Yeah, I think it's a tough one, actually. I think from a Jorginho perspective, I, I personally think he's always been quite underrated by a, a large portion of our fans, if I'm honest. Mm. I think uh, he gets a lot of unfair criticism um, and not a lot of praise for the stuff he is good at. But I would I would be tempted to cash in this summer just because <clears> I think you, you've seen his playing time decrease over the last few months. He's not as much of a regular as he was before. I mm. think... I think his heart is to go back to Italy as well. 
Um, I mean, he is Mauricio Sarri's son. I mean, if we're going to play the Mouse yeah. and Mouse and <laughs> Lampard's <laughs> son, you know, it's one of them. And Lazio is one of the options. And who's there? Sarri, just saying. Yeah, and I think I'd rather I'd rather take some money for him this summer than let him go on a free mm. the summer after. And yeah. I think people have got to take that into account now that now we haven't got Abramovich, those sort of decisions are going to be even more important. Um, oh. I mean, obviously, losing Rudiger, Christensen, maybe Azpilicueta all on a free isn't ideal, but that will probably still be outweighed by the books from the past few years. So, But when we have new owners come in, we have got to think about that balance. And if players aren't fully committed to signing new contracts, I think we need to start letting them go when we can still get some money for them. Yeah, let's let's not do an Arsenal. We keep saying about Arsenal, let's not turn yeah. into them. Uh, I did see the yeah. argument that whilst Modric continues to excel for Real Madrid at 36, we have to remember someone else j- sort of jumped in on um, this conversation for me. Uh, funnily enough, they were called Invincible Mikey and it wasn't me. Uh, and they were like, that's a different league. Premier League is more physical, especially in the midfield area of the pitch. And that is true. Modric can excel and you could argue, well, he did find the Champions League. I know, but week in, week out, it, it's it's different. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if one of them, one of them, I think, will definitely be sold, purely because yes, the age thing and the contracts, but also if the links are true that our new bidders owners want Paul Mitchell, who's the Monaco sporting director, what would be more of a, a more realistic way of getting him to Chelsea if if they do? Then going, we'll pay you this fee for Chuameni, but technically we're paying for Chuameni and Paul Mitchell. Do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I get yeah. what I mean. I'm con- yeah. We all know that's kind of how Sarri came to us from Napoli with the Jorginho deal. It, that's that's yeah. how I feel. So, yeah. Well, you can insert your jokes here about semis, but Chelsea had a semi-final showdown with Crystal Palace and naturally we came away 2-0 winners. And when the talk was about a current midfield loney being unable to play for Palace, it was a former Crystal Palace loan star from Chelsea, of course, in Ruben Loftus-Cheek being the game changer. I'm going to open up with this stat, boys. Thomas Tuchel, he's won every semi-final he's ever contested as a manager, 11 from 11. So was it ever in doubt? Yeah, I mean, I was um, <clears throat> I was a bit concerned because I think Crystal Palace... I mean, I actually thought there weren't much between the two teams um, yesterday. Um, but that stat is ridiculous, really. I think. Amazing. Th- yeah, I mean, I don't think Thomas Tuckle's got to a final in every cup competition he's played. He's managed for us. I don't think that gets talked about enough, to be honest. And you say, oh, he might be a better cup manager, this and that. But that is an incredible stat that he's got to the Champions League final, he's got to the Carabao Cup final, he's got to the FA Cup final. Um, and he's third behind Liverpool and Man City, who are, let's face it, the best two teams in Europe or in the world at the minute. So I just don't think that gets talked about enough. And I think he's doing a fantastic job, really. Um, I mean, people saying that he's one of the best chess managers ever, I think it's a bit bit far at the moment. But look, it's an incredible stat. Um, I thought it was a bit in doubt. I was a bit concerned, but it was comfortable in the end. And, and we're through to the final and the final anything could happen so well the, the Liverpool Chelsea angle have been there have been some incredible games the League Cup final mm. the the 2-2 it, it's been 
pretty fun to watch as a neutral. <laughs> as a Chelsea fan, maybe not. But we, I feel like we edged those games. But whatever. Uh, Chris, what what we th- was it in doubt that or was the first half? Did it make you a bit on edge? Well, yeah, because I thought it was awful first half. It it was kind of understandable. I, I you could see the the tired legs from the game against Real Madrid. I think a lot of those players looked quite leggy and quite tired. We just didn't have any sort of intensity. To be honest with you, I actually I actually don't think Crystal Palace helped that in a way um, because I expected them to play sort of a real high intensity, maybe attempt to press and mm. really go at us, you know, get the fans behind them. But they sort of sat off and it, it kind of drifted the first half into like a like a pre-season friendly. It didn't feel like an FA Cup semi-final. No team was really trying to do too much with the ball when they had it. Crystal Palace was quite happy for us to just knock it around. We was quite happy to just have the ball and not give it away in stupid areas. So I thought the first half from both teams actually wasn't great. And then second half, we upped it a bit. I thought, to be honest, I thought Palace got their tactics wrong all game. And then... I think when you, if you consistently give good players time on the ball, eventually quality will tell. And that's what it was, really. We had two real moments of quality that won us the game. The performance was okay, but eventually quality will shine through. And it did, with especially with Loftus Cheek's goal. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he came on, I mean, it's a great second half from Loftus Cheek. I mean, he came on, obviously, for the, the injured Mateo Kovacic. And I was I was slightly nervous. Oh, I was because Kovacic, we know what he can bring. And wow, Ruben, now I know you listen to our podcast because here I am talking negative about you the other week, and you're inspired to just shut me the fuck up. And I think he had a real good shot at man of the match. But Timo, Timo, wow, that redemption arc. He was creating everything for us in the last half an hour. And you know, for the redemption arc for Kepa was complete. I think the redemption the redemption arc for. Timo and Loftus Cheek is certainly uh, full steam ahead. We, we imp- have you been really impressed by how both Loftus Cheek and Timo sort of turned their seasons around in the last few games? I think I think with Verne is it's just a confidence thing, really. You got a couple of goals against Southampton, um, obviously got a goal against Real Madrid, um, and he didn't get a goal yesterday, but he was our best attacking threat yesterday. He played to his strengths, so you know he, he got in behind. He tried to pass him the ball. You know we didn't ask him to hold the ball up and, and do basically what Lukaku or Havertz does. You know we, we played to his strengths, and when you do that, he, he's going to cause a lot of problems for a lot of teams. Um, and I thought his assist was actually a very very clever pass. I mean it's a great take from Mal and a great finish, but the vision and the little the weight of the pass is. Looks easy, but it's actually really hard to execute. So, mm. you know, he's, he's a fantastic player, Vernon, when he wants to. And I've been critical of him recently. And, and I do still think that maybe the Premier League is a bit too physical for him. But I think the past three, four games, he, he has been fantastic. And I don't know if he's quite revived his career at Chelsea, but look, he, he gives it his all for Chelsea. And that's all you ask for. I mean, I'll never not team over Werner. Um, mm. Yes, he may miss a few, but he always gives 110%. And that's all we can ask for. Um, and as well after Streak, I thought, I think with him, I think the problem I've got with him is technically he's a fantastic player. He really is a gifted footballer, but I don't think he offers much defensively and I don't think he offers much going forward. And, and that's the problem. So so where do you fit him? 
because um, I don't think he's as good on the ball as Kovacic. Um, I don't think he breaks the play as good as Kovacic. So where do you fit him in the team, really? Um, but yesterday, you know, he, he showed his strengths. He, he, he's so strong on the ball. He's hard to get off. He, he picked his passes really well. He got into pockets of space. And that finish was um, was sensational, really. I mean, it, it felt perfectly to him. But you could tell how relieved he was when he scored um, and how happy he was when he scored. Because um, I think it's been five years since he last scored for Chelsea. Something ridiculous like that. Um, so I'm really happy for him because his Achilles injury really did almost ruin his career. So for him to oh, yeah. score in the semi-final to get Chelsea into the final, is um, you can't ever feel pleased for him because he is... A tremendous athlete, a tremendous player, and mm. you want him to do well wherever he is. I mean, yeah, we we covered that in that episode where we did about uh, injury recovery from Achilles, and I, I I still love that episode. It's still something I'm really proud that we did. And mm. you saying about assists, I feel like you've assisted, you've set Chris up to smash this one in the back of the net when you say play to a player's strengths. I feel like that might be a, a Lukaku take coming up soon, but. What 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 have your thoughts been on Loftus Cheek and Timo's redemption in the last few games, Chris? Well, I'm glad Berth brought it up actually because I think people think I'm just saying it for the sake of it about playing to a player's strengths is the most important thing if you want to get the best out of him. But Werner has proved that, and to be fair, he did at times last season when when you get him to do what he's good at, he is an exceptional player at what he can do. But if you ask him to do stuff like what like what you just said, Berth, if you ask him to hold the ball or keep coming to feet or trying to dribble and take players on, he can't do that. So he, he is going to look like a bad player. But if you can get him to make runs off a forward and put balls down the side for him to chase, he's a willing runner. He'll, he'll never give anything up. And that's where his strengths really lie. And we've seen it against Southampton. We've seen it against Real Madrid. And then First half, he must have made six or seven really good runs in behind. And again, not a single person in our team would pass him the ball because, you know, either they don't see it or they don't want to risk giving the ball away. And then second half, we started to use him a lot better. When he was making his runs into channels, we was getting him in behind. And the pass from Mount, I agree with you, Beth, is is a really good assist. It's... It's vision that not many of our attacking players do show on a regular basis, especially. And Werner has proved, really, since he joined, that he is a very creative player. Not the best Mm. finisher in the world, but I think I've said this before about Werner. If we judge him as a winger, I think he's had a really good Chelsea career so far. If you judge him as the striker we thought we was getting, then he's been exceptionally poor. So it depends what you're judging him as. Personally, I think he's more of a wide player. Or a, a, a player yeah. in a front, a player in a front two, so the whole burden of scoring goals isn't on him all the time. Um, but last three games, he's been really good. Uh, Loftus Cheek, likewise, Loftus Cheek has got everything to be a top player, but has failed to show it consistently. And last three games, he's been he's been really good. I do agree with what you said, though, Berth. Like my my problem with Loftus Cheek is what is his actual position? I think. Yeah. That, that holds him back because is he an eight? Is he a six? Is he a ten? Is he a is he a, a wide player? You know, where, where do you play him to get the best out of him? Because he's got everything that you'd want in a footballer. It's just trying to find where he can fit into a system. 
Well, he's to, played at every position, himself. hasn't he? Barkeeper. Yeah. So I'm expecting him to replace Bettinelli as our third choice now. It's got to be done. I mean, it has to be done. All, all I would say is Timo Werner and Loftus-Cheek have, have proved one thing, that football fans, not just Chelsea fans, but football fans in general, are the most reactionary people in the world. Because before that Southampton game, even 10 minutes before kickoff of that Southampton game, everyone was moaning about Timo Werner. His career, his Chelsea career was over. Uh, he's a terrible footballer, shouldn't be anywhere near the first team. Why is Timo Werner starting against Southampton? Now he's had three good games, and you've got people saying, next season we should build the team around him and Havertz. Let's calm down. It's three good games. There is yeah. a player in there for Werner. And if we are going to continue to use him in the right way, I'm all behind sticking with him because his attitude's fantastic. If, mm. though, we are going to go back to slow possession-based football, then he has to leave. And I think that's the same with a lot of the players in our team. If we're not going to use them to in a style that, that suits their how they play, then they should be moved on. But if you're going to try and adapt our system to get the best out of these players, then there's a lot of players in our team I'd keep. Mm. I mean, Jorginho, we talked about him, obviously, as we opened the show, but he, he turned it around to you in the second half because he was appalling in that first half. <laughs> second half, though, played his role well, got in between the lines. Uh, he was good. I mean, him and Bottas cheek obviously benefited from the change in formation because we went from 3-4-1-2 to 3-5-2, so that was always good. Uh, I've got to bring it up. We've got to play devil's advocate. Anyone want to talk about Kai? Anyone at all? He just looks quite tired. He's played a lot of games recently. Oh, I wasn't uh, referring to that, but he did take a sleep on the floor. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> I, mean, come, I mean, I've seen Chris do that a few times in some bad leagues. So. Oh, dear. It wasn't quite Morton Gamps Pedersen levels, but it was a, it was a decent worse. one. I've seen worse. I mean, I... not great. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's like he just thinks he's going to stick a leg out and then he doesn't and he's sort of already gone to the ground and it just looks, it doesn't look great, does it? Not really, not really. No, I mean, let, let's be fair, it's a blatant dive. Like, yeah. If that was a player, if that was a Crystal Palace player against us, we would be yeah. ripping them apart. Yeah. I, I don't like it. I don't like blatant dives like that. I don't mind if there's a little bit of contact and it's over-exaggerated, because I think you, you've almost got a right if there's a bit of contact to make the most of it. But there was... Well, I didn't understand it. I don't understand why he went down. Because he yeah. was in our goal. I don't, I don't understand why he was trying... Because he wasn't even in the penalty area. That was the worst bit. Even if the referee had brought it, he only would have got a free kick. Well, when you've it, got... His, yeah. His touch was good. It got him in on goal and then he fell over. When you've and got the AR, good. what's the point? Mm, yeah, you know, exactly. it's every it's penalty to gets reviewed. Yeah, yeah, every penalty awarded gets reviewed, and they're going to go. I think you might want to look at the monitor because I think that player slightly may have just uh, simulated a foul. Um, one thing that's not a simulation: um, Mason Mount. Just the twenty-five goals mm. and assists this year for Mason Mount. Well, not this year, this season. Uh, but he's having a terrible season, as everyone says. I mean. All those goals they've come against Norwich, haven't they? Why is he? Why does he keep getting picked? Honestly, though, it's really, really. I can't wait for the next excuse that people are going to make for him to be bad. Like, what, what's what are people going to say next? That oh, he only performs well in the yellow kit 
or, or something like that, or you know, <laughs> performs well in the oh, second half. Good shout I mean, there. What? Why can't people just think he's an amazing player? Because he is. He's fantastic. He's. I mean, you could argue. There's definitely an argument to be there that he could be player of the season again. I know. I know. It's I mean, mad, isn't it? It, his stats are quality. You wanted him to score more goals, get more assists from open back. He's done that. He wanted mm. him to turn up in big games. He's done that. Scored against Real Madrid. Scored in the semi-final. I mean, what else do you want? You know, I mean, I don't know what people want him to do or what they want him to be. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, it, the touch for his his goal yesterday was incredible. Like perfectly weighted touch. Then the composure to just slightly past um past the keeper. I mean. It's incredible. He's an incredible talent, incredible player. I think we're a lot worse off when he's not in the team. Um, and, and I think he, he has to play for England as well, you know, but some people just don't like to hear that. Some people want him on the bench and, you know, people say, oh, Frank Lampard's son. OK, then, so what does Tuchel <laughs> play him all the time? What does Gareth Southgate play him all the time? There's a reason why all these pundits praise him so much. Mm. You know, I mean, but it's OK because... Someone on Twitter who's never played football in their life or never never watched anything else in their life other than, I don't know, or played anything in their life other than FIFA, you know, they, they, they just don't know what they're on about. They, they really don't know what they're on about. He's but, a special lad. He's a special lad. He is, yeah. He's amazing. Chris, he really what, what are you thinking about this Mason Mount horrific season he's having? Well, I think I've said it to you, Berfin, when we've been talking to him privately about He's another player where if we'd signed him for 80 million, everyone would be talking about what a great player he is and some generational talent. If he but was because Spanish, he's English, yeah. yeah. If he was Spanish, yeah. But because he's English and come for the academy, people like to put players like that down for some reason. Some strange Chelsea fans, especially on Twitter, seem to hate players who have come for the academy for some reason, except Reese James. Um, because Reese James is the only one who, who I only see get universal support, which is a good thing. I'm, I'm all for it, but it, it is odd how Mount doesn't and James does. But I think Mount is, embodies a problem I have now with especially sections of football fans. This, uh, this obsession that people seem to have now about players working hard really winds me up. So last season, Mason Mount was... You could see every game, 100% complete shifting, pressing, winning the ball back, exceptionally hard working. And his numbers was okay, but not great. So last year, he worked really hard, got loads of praise. And then people said, well, his numbers aren't great. This year, I think he's working as hard, but smarter now. I don't think he goes and tires himself out chasing all over the pitch when he doesn't need to. Mm. I think he's got tactically more aware about what his job is. He's improved his numbers to a level which we haven't really seen from any of our attackers for a good number of years. And now people are saying, our stats aren't good enough for, they only come against bottom teams. You can't please everybody. And mm. I think... For me, he has had a lot of games this season where he's sort of drifted out the game and you haven't really seen him for large periods, whereas last season I thought he was constantly involved with everything for the entire time he was on the pitch. But what I want from my attackers is to be effective, and that's what he's been this year. If he's quiet for 70 minutes, but then you give him one chance and he scores, I don't care then. That's what I want from attackers. Attackers, especially, should be judged on those numbers 
how many chances did I create? How many chances? How many assists did I get? How many goals did I get? How many big chances did I miss? Those are the most important things for attackers, not whether they're involved in the game or how many times they win the ball back off a defender. That well, stuff is that stuff is good, but it's, yeah. it's it shouldn't be what they're judged on. Like I mean, where am I about now? I'd rather have a striker who works hard than scores goals. It, honestly, the football world's gone mad. Um, well, Berth queued up Chris for an assist and well, and scored. And I feel I've been queued up here. Uh, talking of that, uh, Lukaku. I mean, he came on for 20 minutes. He did probably about one, maybe two sprints. Uh, he missed two to three chances that were considered easy, I've seen. Um, yeah. But hey, he gave so many thumbs up. And honestly, if we measured expected thumbs up, he would have been my man of the match. But <laughs> other than that, the great morale boosting wasn't great again. And it's starting to be a, it's starting to, I think that come the summer, I wouldn't be shocked if our new owners just go, yeah, we'll sell him. If it's 60 million, well, it's not our money that we're taking a hit on. It's 60 million in the bank. That's how I see it. I think I might be wrong. Happy to be told off. Um, I just I, I just think with Lukaku, just it seems as if there's just there's a bit of a clash with all our attackers and him. Like it just they're not on the same page or yeah, I mean so yes, I think it was Werner pulled one back for him when Lukaku had gone near post or something like that and Obviously, he missed a, a real good chance. I, th- I think he has to score that one where he hits the post. And, and Z, you know what, ZX should have scored the rebound as well. But I don't think he played too bad when he came on yesterday. I thought he held up the ball really well. Um, he doesn't press. He's never pressed. Uh, so, uh, you know, that I, I don't really care that he doesn't press because I know, you know, I know he doesn't. Um, it's a strange one because I, I think he's still a, a fantastic striker. I really do think he's a good striker, but it just isn't working at the minute. And we, we do seem a much better outfit and a much better team when he doesn't play. And that that's the worry. Um, because I don't know if all the coaching that you can give him, I don't know if that'll change things. I just don't know. Some players just don't work at some teams. I just, I'm starting to think that he won't work at Chelsea. Yeah, you go on, close us out, Chris, on uh, the Lukaku topic. Um, he has to score the chance yesterday when he hits the post. There's, there's no denying that. But it was a chance he created again. No one, because at the minute he's public enemy number one, it seems, no one is looking for anything good that he's doing anyway. So unless he scores, and to be honest with you, even when he scores, no one brings it up. He scored in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup, the round before that, the Club World Cup. No one spoke about it because it doesn't it doesn't suit the the uh, the narrative of no, we want to hate on Lukaku. That's all we want to do because his chest control and the way he bullied the defender to give the ball to Werner to then set him up for that chance was exceptional centre forward play, and that's that's the sort of Lukaku that we thought we was getting, and he didn't. He didn't take the chance, and he has started missing those chances, which isn't ideal. But people keep talking about him sulking and not wanting to be here. But again, when I, when he comes on the pitch, you've got to remember this is a, a 100 million pound striker who was brought in to be our centre forward. I can guarantee that conversation happened during the negotiations that he was being brought in to be the guy, and now he finds himself on the bench and not having a brilliant relationship with the manager. 
but he doesn't come on the pitch and just walk around and not get involved or mm. there's no there's no refusing to warm up there's no refusing to come on there's none of that that we've seen from other players so I, I don't think people are actually judging him fairly now I think if people judged him fairly I think the reason why he won't turn his career around at Chelsea is because he's lost the fans and no matter what he does now it will never be good enough otherwise I think if if he could get the fans back on board. I don't know what match-going fans think, to be honest. I only interact with Twitter people who, let's face it, most of them probably aren't real football fans anyway. Um, but real match-going Chelsea fans, I don't know how they're reacting to him overly. Um, but if he could get the fans back on board, I still believe he could turn his Chelsea career around. And people's telling me now that he's not world-class. He's been a world-class striker for the past 10 years. So... He's not going to all of a sudden be a terrible player. It's something he's doing and it's something we're doing as well. And if we could have matched it up, it could have worked. If if him and Tuchel aren't getting on, one of them's got to go. It's probably going to be Lukaku, I would imagine. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. That, that that's the that's the Palace game. I mean, you've heard what us three thought of the game. And going forward, of course, we, we do want to hear our listeners send in their thoughts via email. So you can do that at, at thebridgepod at yahoo.com. Uh, your thoughts, obviously, on the game via a voice clip. Uh, Caleb Seekins did the same for Real Madrid, and he's doing it for Palace. So let's hear, let's hear his thoughts on that game. Hey, guys. Hope you had a good Easter. Uh, mine was a little chaotic, but that's okay. Uh, Crystal Palace game overall was a good game. I feel like Chelsea did their part. They did what they needed to do, and Tuchel has kind of proven that he is a tactical genius, um, despite what Craig Burley has said on ESPN. Um, in, the, in the past, you guys have mentioned that one of our weaknesses is, is playing the safe passing game, and I 100% agree with you guys. Uh, I saw moments in this game where we were just passing around the midfield without any real direction, um, and there were open spaces. Um, we could have easily, you know, passed it further up, directly in the center, you know, out to the wings, and we didn't. We just passed it back and forth, back and forth. Um, that was really the only part that irritated me about this game. Um, yeah, it's we played our part. We did well to win. We're on to the final, um, and hopefully, we can bring this momentum going forward against a very, very strong Liverpool side. Well, thank you again to Caleb for sharing his thoughts. Uh, I'll end it with the commentator's curse. The, the commentator, he said, no team has ever lost three FA Cup finals in a row. Oh, dear. Well, I don't want us to be the Buffalo Bills. And for context, if you're thinking, I don't follow NFL, I don't, what are you on about? Buffalo Bills in the 90s went to four Super Bowls, lost them all in a row. Ouch. We, we can't lose three in a row, can we? <clears throat> Oh, if one team was going to lose three, <laughs> three uh, FA Cup finals in a row, it'd be Spurs. It won't be Spurs. Yeah. It'd be Spurs. <laughs> uh, but the funny thing is, about that is Sam Matterface, the commentator, is is actually a Chelsea fan. So, he, if we lose in the final, he's going to be absolutely fuming. Um, yeah, but, it's, it, look, it made so, me nervous. Yeah, uh, well, as soon as I heard it, I was like, "Why has he said that?" Because uh, I like I got it out of my head that we'd lost the past two finals. So. Uh, it's Liverpool are a great team, and uh, so it's going to be difficult. But 
I feel like we can hurt Liverpool more than we can hurt Man City, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying, win the final, mm-hmm. win the FA Cup, Lukaku with the winner, just to piss everyone off. No, I mean, first of all, I've got to say it: five of the last six finals, apart from 18-19 season when it was City Watford, we've been in it. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's amazing, amazing until you. Well. Yeah, we've we've won one in those five, so that yeah, record exactly. not great. Um, yeah, it's it hurts when it's Arsenal twice and Leicester, but for Leicester it was kind of it was their focus, wasn't it, for the season? So yeah, yeah, it's it's one of them. Uh so talking of Arsenal, we've got them in a couple of days, so that's going to be interesting. Um, but we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram if you do not already follow us. Uh, you can just find us by searching for At At The Bridge Pod and see the new Instagram layout. Hopefully it makes more sense now. Uh, but we'll be back for that weekly catch-up and to talk the Arsenal game on Friday evening. So till then, that is us signing off. <laughs>